If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. You're going to make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull... Turn up the fun with Crunch. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of 2024 of The Rest is Entertainment with me, Marina Hyde. And me, Richard Osman. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. May it be a wonderful one for all of you. Happy New Year, Marina. <laughs> and to you, Richard. I, we, we have an exciting journey ahead of us this year. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? Where are we going to go? Where aren't we going to Where go? Where aren't we going to go? I was thinking when you talked about Star Wars Christmas in the, uh, the Boxing Day episode. It's a very good episode if you haven't heard it. Um, I'd really like to be a Wookiee. Yes. I think maybe that's what 2024 holds for me. I've got the, uh, I've got the hype for it. And, you know, who, know, who knows? You can like, wail incomprehensibly. Oh, I can wail incomprehensibly. Oh, yeah. If you're looking for someone to wail incomprehensibly, it's, it's me or Bradley Walsh. But somehow Walsh. still be very appealing. Is, is he six foot seven? I don't think so. <laughs> now, today we are going to talk about things that we have loved over the last year, but also that we are very much looking forward to in 2024. Yes, I thought we might start with television because there's actually, you know, the first week uh, of any new year, there's an awful lot of new stuff that belter comes out. Belter after belter. Banger after banger. No one's going out. No one can afford to go out. And everyone is sat down waiting for the streamers and the channels to unleash their best fare. I once did a show on Radio 2 and uh, they said you can't describe a song as a banger because uh, the bosses at Radio 2 don't like it. Really? So, yeah, I had, a, I had a feature called Unexploded Bangers, which was... <laughs> Like a like a yeah, song that like, should have been a massive know, hit. Yes. Uh, and this no, you can't call anything a banger. It's banned on radio too. The they word take banger. They very seriously. Yeah. Right. Well, quite obviously, the thing I'm most immediately looking forward to is traitors. Oh, I mean. Season two. Wow. Okay. UK and US. Yeah. Traitors is um, the format where twelve-ish non-celebrities in the UK version are sequestered to a Scottish castle where they must backstab and betray each other, form alliances and ultimately kind of scheme and double-cross their way to the prize. Some of them are traitors and some of them are the faithful and they have to do a few tasks um, and then they have to sit around this round table at the end of every episode, which is by far the best thing. That's there. amazing unpick those alliances, suspect each other, point the finger, indulge in incredible herd behaviour. And it's it's an unbelievably brilliant format. 
it's I was talking to the exec producer of it recently and uh, we were talking about the first series uh, and I was saying exactly that the bit at the end when they're around the table is so compelling when you can tell are they because we at home know who the traitors are which is the absolute genius of the format so you know you're rooting for them or not rooting for for them and you know if the faithfuls are making a mistake or if they're not making a mistake and so that round table can be um incredibly compelling and he said, look, the channel was slightly worried that that would be boring television. So we put quite a lot of the, you know, the challenges in and, you know, the, the, the kind of tests they do. And actually, I think they worked out in that first series that that is all you want is then incredible television. It's so well cast again, because it's, it's, it's not, we'll talk about the American one in a moment, but the British one is people that you genuinely can root for. They're not, they're not celebrities at all. Um, they they've they actually cast. I remember finding out from somebody who was also involved in it that they they cast people who play a lot of those kind of strategy games. They maybe as f- just for fun, um, they do escape rooms. They uh, do sort of tactical games. So they're kind of well versed in the double dealing and skullduggery and all those sort of things. To, they, they need to be a good contestant on that show. So they are highly watchable and they understand the game, which. Is, sounds really obvious, but it's so important. It's so important. As a digression, I'm terrible at escape rooms. I always think I'll be good at them. I always think I'll be good at poker. I'm terrible at that. But anyway, I can't do either of those things. But no, it's all about tactics and gameplay, but human beings as well, because you get these alliances formed. And if you're a traitor, you have to form an alliance with faithfuls. And people get very, very close. And you sort of know at some point that they're going to have to betray Oh, my God. I've watched all the see, all the show. They have they then did a um, US version of The Traitors, which I think is less successful because it mixes celebrities and civilians. And when I say celebrities, people have mainly been on other reality formats. But I just didn't understand the point of that, and I didn't like that. I don't know whether Americans feel like you have to have some people you've seen before. I think it's much more fun if not, you don't know who any of these people are. Um, although John Burko, former Speaker of the House of Commons, uh, will be entering the US version of this show. Exactly that, which will be fascinating. I don't mind the American one because, as you say, there are people from American reality shows, but I don't know who they are. Um, no. So there was a, a woman last year from Below Deck oh, who was so brilliant. She was called Kate. She was one of the all-time reality TV monsters. Yeah, she was amazing. That's that's a tough field. Yeah, isn't it, Justin? There's lots of Real Housewives on this yes. show. Listen, I get it, and it's you know it's a different thing. We've said before on this podcast, the absolute sine qua non of traitors is the Australian traitors season one. But I think they've cancelled Australian traitors. Why? I think it wasn't doing great business. Oh. That's ridiculous. Oh, so okay, annoying, well, they certainly haven't cancelled Traitors in the UK no. because it was an unbelievable hit last year. And people sort of caught on and ca- caught on and then they caught up on Catch Up and it, it sort of became a hit right by the end. And it's presented by the absolutely wonderful Claudia Winkleman, who does a superb job on it. So that is something I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Interestingly, by the way, it's that thing of the overnights that used to rule television, which is the, and actually the overnights were terrible for the traitors yeah. at first. It looked like it was a flop, but absolutely on catch up and on iPlay, just everybody started watching it. People were watching it like as a box set, they were watching it like succession. That's something I'd like so to see next year is not lots of misreporting about ratings because reporters have not worked out that catch up is something different to the overnights. So they sometimes will look at a, a, a TV show and say, oh, this did much worse than last year. But in fact, it's all being made up on catch-up, so it's it, that could be quite deceptive. Catch-up's obviously bigger and bigger all the time. It's all catch-up these days. It's isn't all it? catch-up. It's all catch-up. Um, so yeah, that is starting this week. Also starting this week on BBC One, Gladiators <gasps> is back. So Gladiators is back, hosted by Bradley Walsh and his son Barney. 
they're the host of a whole new uh, group of gladiators. Dan Baldwin, the producer, was saying that um, they had to stop filming the first episode because one woman got so excited when the gladiators came out, she went into labour. Her waters broke, she had to be rushed to hospital. Everything she, was was... In the, she was in the audience? No, she was one of the gladiators. Oh, didn't you? No, she was, no she was in the audience. She was in the audience. She, might be one of the... she was absolutely fine. A, a bonny baby child. I was going to say bonny baby boy, then I realised I hadn't been given that information. Has it been given a gladiator-style name, I wondered? Yes, yeah, it's called Blaze. It's called Blaze. <laughs> it's lovely, isn't it? they got some Olympians as the gladiators. Uh, Harry Aikens Arite is one of the fastest runners we've ever had in the UK. Gold medalist. He's uh, Nitro. Uh, there's Montel Douglas, who uh, has been Winter Olympian and Summer Olympian. He's a sprinter and bobslayer. She's fire. There is a guy on it who is one of Britain's tallest bodybuilders. And he's called Giant. Uh, and he is two inches shorter than me. So come on, guys. Giant is a bit of a... I think that's a bit of a phoned-in name. But I'll, I'll wait to be persuaded when I'm watching it. Yeah, he might as well be called Tall. I'll tell you what he should be called. Wookie. Don't you think? It's going to be me and, 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 and Giant uh, as Wookiees in the next... Uh, in the next Star Wars film. They don't really do Star Wars films. There's like a million Star Wars things. I'd be a Wookiee, but in something that no one's ever going to watch on <laughs> Disney. Okay, speaking of things that will perform well, curb your enthusiasm. The final season. Final season. Uh, Larry David's done a really funny press release saying, I just, want, I just want to go back to being a lovely person and not this Larry David character. That has been, <laughs> you can find me at Doctors Without Borders. <laughs> Well, that I mean, obviously that has changed so much TV comedy. I'm, I'm, I will be bereft beyond belief when that disappears. But th- yeah. we've got one more season to go. That sort of spring that's coming out, but also season four of Hacks. Ah, oh, yes, which are absolutely another loved. HBO classic. Another HBO classic. So loads of good telly coming up this year. I'd say. Also, here's an interesting one. This week, Jeopardy starts on uh, on ITV. Daytime Jeopardy. So Jeopardy's pretty much the biggest format ever in the states it's run for 48 years or something ridiculous quiz format yes. quiz format yeah and it's they've tried it over here a few times it hasn't worked but this time they got Stephen Fry hosting it in daytime he said that um he loved uh Jeopardy and he just wrote a note to his agent saying why doesn't someone do Jeopardy in the UK and two days later his agent said oh yeah just talk to ITV they said they'd love you to do it you're doing Jeopardy yeah and he's like oh okay that's uh that's interesting but if anyone can make that show a hit I suspect it's Stephen Fry but it's one of those shows where Pointless is the same Pointless doesn't really work anywhere else apart from the UK so there's just something about the genesis of it and the you know where it is in the schedule and um that sort of thing and Jeopardy is the same it's not like a Rolls-Royce format. But if you give it to a great presenter, which Stephen Fry is, maybe ITV will have a big hit on this. I'm certainly very much looking forward to it. That's a show I would do the celebrity version of. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely, definitely. I've got a drama, which I... Well, it will be a... It will be funny as well. uh, Drama with jokes, which is The Regime, which is um, an HBO thing, which is written by a guy called Will Tracy, who's one of the senior writers on Succession. He also wrote The Menu, the movie The Menu. Oh, I like The Menu. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's directed by Stephen Frears, the legend, and it stars Kate Winslet as the dictator in a fictional... Eastern European Republic and I think it will be absolutely it's a limited series so it'll be I think it's six one hours and I think that will be really exceptional what's it called again? The Regime The Regime with Kate Winslet and me as a Wookiee <laughs> and you as a Wookiee um, and by is... the way I wanted to do my favourite things of 2023 you're, you're, you're less interested in ranking things but I want to say my favourite television show of 2023 which we've not talked about before uh, was Poker Face 
So if anybody is a fan of Columbo, you've got 10 episodes of this amazing thing with Natasha Leon. It's sort of an homage to Columbo and the Littlest Hobo with like kind of a villain of the week. But yeah. it's so beautifully done. It even has the same font as Columbo. So I, my favourite TV show of 2023 terrific. was Poker Face. Do you have one? You're not going to do one, are you? You refuse to set things against each other. I don't. Well, no, I don't like ranking things. I feel like I just there's something quite sort of male about it. No offense to anybody, but it's a. Uh, I I sort of feel why can't they all be? There's there's lots of things I absolutely loved. Yeah. Um. And I I mean obviously I loved Succession. I thought that was quite extraordinary. That's two of the greatest episodes of television that I've seen written with a funeral and the um. I, that, people love the final episode, but I think the episode where uh, Logan died was extraordinary um, but there were so many things I loved um, Nathan Fielder I loved Nathan For You which I only discovered this year which I strongly recommend people go into on you can find it I think on Amazon Prime in the UK there were so many great shows so I don't particularly want to rank them all one thing I will say is moving on to movies I think there are lots of fun things coming I obviously Ryan Gosling in The Fall Guy. I will be there for that one. Ah, yeah, that's going to be a cracker. There's I'm, there's a welcome absence of Marvel releases from my point of view, even though I'm writing a show about um, superhero franchises. Something that I have seen an advanced screening of and which is absolutely incredible, which is, comes out in February, is a movie called The Zone of Interest. Oh, which, I'm looking forward, oh, it's, well, I'm looking I mean, forward to it. It is extraordinary. Um, this is directed um, by Jonathan Glazer, who's actually amazing person. He's only made four movies in like the last 20 something years, which are um, Sexy Beast. They're all completely different, by the way. Birth, Under the Skin, and now this. And this is about a couple who have a, a house that they absolutely adore. She particularly loves this house. And she's she really nothing. She's a huge home improver. His job is he is the camp commandant of Auschwitz and the garden wall in this garden that she's built and it's made kind of like some idyllic paradise for, the, for their children. The wall is on the other side of the wall is the Auschwitz camp. It is absolutely extraordinary as a film. This I can't recommend it enough. I would like to talk about it more in the week of release because there's another interesting movie which um, is about the Holocaust, which comes out similar time. And I think it's really worth talking about those together. So we will try and do that. But that's the zone of interest. And that's based on the, on Martin Amos's novel. Which it is. is it's also very loosely based on. Amazing. It. Is yeah. It? Okay. That's yeah. a wonderful novel. Yeah. It is. I'm over to you now. Uh, I'm looking forward. There's lots of sequels this year. So there is a Marvel thing, which is Deadpool 3, of course. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, um, I forgot. Beverly Hills Cop is coming back on Netflix. Be still my beating heart. <sighs> the gerontocracy is real. I mean, um, is he 62 now, Eddie Murphy? Yeah, he can still be a cop. Really? I thought you would have retired on police pension after three Murphy, years no, on the No, he, because he loves the, he loves the work. <laughs> you know, he loves catching bad guys. Okay, I'll, I'll watch it, of yeah, course. Yeah, of course you'll watch, watch it. I'll watch it. But Gladiator 2 yes. is coming out, which is had a very interesting... Uh, so not Gladiators, uh, Gladiator. Um, so after the original one, they were immediately going to do a, a sequel, I think. I think it slightly fell apart because Russell Crowe wanted to be in it, like in the sort of dream sequence, and Ridley Scott slightly didn't want him to be in it. So it, it, it slightly faltered. Uh, over the years, all sorts of people have worked on scripts for it. Nick Cave worked on a script. He did a draft of the script. <gasps> yes, I read this. Uh, and his draft, it was called uh, Christ Killer. 
uh, and it was it was set it was set in Roman times, but then it was also set in World War Two and Vietnam and in present day where someone was a member of the Pentagon. It did not get made. But it sounds like if if you honestly, I bet they probably just asked him to do a draft because they thought, oh, what's he going to come up with? I, I bet, I bet they were what, yeah. delighted. Great to unproduced it. scripts of but, our uh, time. Yes, yeah, it is. It, it, it's not going to be called Christ Killer, and it's about Lucius from the original one, who was, yep. who was the child in the original one, played of course by Paul Mescal. Uh, as as everything is, if it hasn't got Paul Mescal in, I'm not watching it. Exactly, I, it's. And, and that's lucky because he's in everything. And I think Paramount loved him already from normal people and stuff, but they went to see him in Streetcar Named Desire. And they're mm. quoted as saying, when we heard all the whoops when he took his top off, we knew he was the man for Gladiator. So Paul Mescal is in it. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's going to be great. Ridley Scott's not going to let us down. It's got an amazing cast. Paul Mescal, Pedro Pascal is in it. Uh, Colleen Nielsen, Derek Jacobi's coming back. Um, no Russell Crowe. Of course, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to Gladiator too. We'll talk about it when it comes out. Okay, and Drive Away Dolls. That's Ethan Cohen, not the Cohen Brothers, but I, that sounds really fun, and I'm really looking for I, that. It sounds like a real Cohen Brothers movie, if, even though it's not the two of them. So Drive Away Dolls, I think, will be fun. And my favourite film of 2023 uh, was Rye Lane. Have oh, you seen yes. it? Which is the sort yeah. of rom com set in Peckham, 90 minutes, full of jokes. Brilliantly directed, looks beautiful, and it's just one of those rare British movies that is just that charms absolutely everybody. Rye Lane, R Y E Lane. Do you have a favourite film? You're not going to do. You're not going to rank anything. I'm By the way, I, but I'll tell you what. I have a favourite star of uh, 2023, which is Margot Robbie, because she promoted that Barbie movie. It is. It's sort of amazing. The, the whole story of the Barbie movie. They didn't want anyone to know the story of the movie. They really were careful that no one found out that it had this kind of feminist text because they thought in the, our culture war age, mm. it would just get completely piled on by everyone from Fox News to everyone beforehand. So the stuff that happened, which, the leaks of the stuff, which was deliberate when you saw them kind of in their funny outfits roller skating in, and everyone's like, oh, what is this crazy movie? They look absolutely ridiculous. And then it was such a kind of like stealth putting through and then it came out but also because she did not just drag that movie over the one billion dollar mark she dragged christopher nolan's because yeah. movie oppenheimer which i'm sorry i know it's christopher nolan but the fact that it sprung up completely natively on twitter people were calling it barbenheimer and they and they went in on all social media and they thought they had to see both where they, are, they couldn't be more different she single-handedly in my view dragged that movie over the line as well so Hats off to you, Margot Robbie. You are a true star. Yeah, she's essentially responsible for over $2 billion worth of, uh, of box office. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's why it's hard to be PR sometimes, because that is not something you would ever think of. You wouldn't go, I'll tell you what we'll do with Oppenheimer. Why don't we do a portmanteau word with Barbie? And I think that's going to do good business for us. If you pitch that in a room, people would think you're an absolute lunatic. But, but it seemed to work. Yeah, I presume a, there'll be a Barbie too in the. Um, oh God! Well, we've talked about toy movies. There's every toy movie. Yes, everybody's going to get a spin-off. But Opp Oppenheimer too. Yeah, <laughs> love the first one. Let's take a little break. Probably an advert for Oppenheimer too. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Thank you. (laughs) You're most welcome, Richard. As you remember, we were discussing our recommendations for 2024 and looking back a little at 2023. Yes, it's sort of, we haven't quite worked out the format. No. But I think it's okay. Yeah. I can tell you some, let me tell you that the theatre, that I'm giving you two things I'm looking forward to very much in the theatre. The first one, Armando Iannucci is doing Dr. Strangelove on stage, Steve Coogan is going to star. And it's written with Sean Foley, um, who's absolutely a most wonderful person. And he, You might remember the play What I Wrote. He was one of the two guys in that. And I used to see these guys right from back from when they did shows in Edinburgh. He, it was, I remember one about two guys who fall down the back of the sofa and they were called, it was called Stop Calling Me Vernon. And it was absolutely wonderful. Anyway, he, they are doing Doctor Strange Love on the London stage, which I think will be a giant event and very funny and dark and brilliant. Uh, so that's one of mine. I don't know about theatre, just because okay. of the leg room. Okay, I know what you, <laughs> I know I, what you mean. I like the ice cream. Yeah, very good. Don't get me wrong, I really like the ice cream. But, we haven't seen the Layman trilogy. That's got that's got yeah. two intervals. Uh, it is which, long. Yeah, it's long, but two ice creams. Two ice creams. Speaking you know, of which... I call it a two ice cream play. <laughs> directed by Sam Mendes, the Layman trilogy. This one is also going to be directed by Sam Mendes. Busy it's boy. called The Hills of California, and it's Jez Butterworth, who did Jerusalem, and who is obviously, and actually they have worked together on The Ferryman before, but he, that, I'm really looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a big, big event. I might be doing a little theatre thing this year. Might you? Yeah, might be. <gasps> Please yeah. tell us. Well, it's, it's completely secret. Are you allowed to say anything? No, but uh, I tell you now, there'll be legroom. Yeah. <laughs> It's called Ice Cream and Legroom. Ice Cream and Legroom. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a lot I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Myself and another writer, we had a tour of one of the London theatres. Uh, and you know when you go to a nightclub during the day, it's the most depressing place in the yeah. world. But a theatre during the day is kind of magical. 
They should do tours. They're so beautiful. They're so and and the the fact that they haven't changed for so long and they've got all the little boxes under the stage. I've I've done one myself and I've a, a tour of it and it really is incredible. I think they should. Yeah, you're right. I think they should do tours of it. It's a lot more interesting than plenty of stately homes I've ever been to. And because we were talking about doing something, possibly they they sort of had to show us everything. So I I even asked where the ice creams are kept, and they showed me. There's like a big uh, trunk full of ice creams just off the bar. There's a locked room uh, with a code. They let us in. So that's my theatre tip for this year is go to something that does mint chocolate chip. It's interesting actually with theatre because regional theatre, we've just come off the, uh, the sort of season of pantomime. And pantomime is where regional theatre makes almost all of its money. You can make it like a kind of 25% of your money in three weeks. So if you haven't been to uh, your local pantomime, we've still got about three or four days left. Really worth doing. Supports loads of local people, loads of local actors, loads of local kind of craftspeople, and really supports your local theatre. And it's very hard to explain to people, though, from other countries. An American screenwriter was saying to me, sorry, pant- pantomime, what is it? Is it miming? And I was like... Oh, I mean, I don't know where I start with this one, but it's a and it's a really old sort of British tradition that I was reading some um, thing from absolutely ages ago. And it was a critic in the Daily Star in 1900 said only a great nation could have done such a thing as invent panto. Only an undisciplined nation would have done it. Wow, that, yeah. that that pretty much sums it sums yeah. us up. I mean, a hundred years of just thinking, what on earth is this that I'm watching? I always look at, I always try and see who's in Panto because I find it interesting. You can make quite a lot of money in Panto. You can if, if you're you one can, of the big names. It's sort of you can make a quarter of a million for for three weeks. And the big a, companies that run it make and they make absolutely enormous amounts of money. And you sort of need to have a, a, a selection of the five five of the following people: an actor, possibly alcoholic relapsing. <laughs> <laughs> a puppet, not in this age of CGI yeah. world, funfer, some original funfer. Fun Sadly, fur. you have to have the puppeteer as well. They're always lovely people. I saw um, Basil Brush is in two separate pantomimes this year. How's he doing it? How does that work? How is he doing? How is Brush doing? If anyone can do it, Brush can. I guess, I guess someone's got two hands. My fa- <laughs> One of my favourite ones was when um, Linda Lissardi, a former page three girl, who's made that transition from you know playing Cinderella to the Wicked Queen. We all have to do that in yeah, our life as women. And then you give an interview to the local paper saying, it's so much more fun playing a baddie. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, she was, she was once late for a panto on, and she actually rang 999 and said, can I use the hard shoulder? And the, obviously emergency services were thrilled about this. And they asked the panto for a comment who said something like, Miss Lusardi has no comment to me, which is really like such exquisite delicacy. But anyway, in the end, Miss Lusardi did have a comment to make. And she just said, I was brought up to believe that is always the deadly. If any celebrity starts oh, anything no, with don't. I was brought up to believe, you know, A, justifying something really bad and B, you're not going to want to go there, that the emergency services were here to help. I did not want to disappoint the people who turned out, and I'm very surprised that they wanted to do so. You know, it was absolutely a wow. brilliant, yeah, yeah. She's a pro, Lusardi. Absolute pro, yeah. Pro I think, something. I think, I think she's been on the Point of Celebrities. We always do a panto special, and I always see Lusardi with her husband, Sam Kane. They're always yeah. there. Podium yeah. two, like absolutely doing the business. You, you can, also you need someone in panto who can be pre- prefaced with the phrase, the hilarious. <laughs> Yes, exactly. and you've got to have a local radio or a local TV presenter, and those always get the those get the biggest laughs. They're the biggest. Those are thing. a million percent yeah. the biggest names in any panto. You can have you know Katie Price is doing panto in Liverpool, right? But Justin Fletcher, Mister Tumble, is doing panto in Reading, and that's that's a bigger name that for is kids. Massive. But the local radio presenters are people go absolutely wild for them. And, and you've got some Aussie soap star chewing, chewing, chewing a wasp because she's not getting all the big laughs, but. 
in in uh, in Bristol this year, um, David Suchet yeah. is in panto with Faye Toza from Steps. Well, that I mean, that's a combination. But he, this is the big hook-off, you see. He's Captain Hook. Boy George, also Hook, Birmingham. Sean Williamson, the legend. Love Sean. Doesn't that? Yeah, Portsmouth. Is Jennifer it? Saunders is Hook at the Palladium in London. Yeah, so with that Jude is, Clary. Yeah, that's a highly, highly competitive role this year. Can I... Tessa, I know we weren't really going to talk about pantomime. No, but sorry, it's been we, we'll get back to our but, recommendations uh, no, but, no, Because I have a question for you. I have a quiz question for you. Okay. <laughs> so in Rill, Jack and the Beanstalk, uh, Chico headlining. Yeah. Of course he's headlining. Of course he is. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing they do Chico time. Yeah. I'm guessing. Oh, halfway, yeah. Halfway up, the, uh, halfway up the Beanstalk. But one of the co-stars, can you tell me who this is? Arthur Bostrom. That's a great question. It's not an American, which was, was considered classy to have for a while. Who is Arthur Bostrom? Arthur Bostrom is the policeman dressed as a gendarme in Allo Allo. I, can't, I mean, it, this is this is the original long yeah. tail. He's he's in Pintermame in Rull. Uh, but that's cool, isn't it? I bet he's good as well. He'll be brilliant. I bet he knows his business. Him and, him and Chico together? Yes, please. I bet he calls him Choco. <laughs> For a while, they had big American stars would come over, and like Hasselhoff would do it, and he'd get about a million a week. But that's kind of tapered off. I, they don't make the money that they used to. But it was really resourceful in the pandemic. They did like drive-in ones, and um, oh. it was real, and put them online. It was it's kind of like a triumph for a story of hope over experience. And even though we've talked about big salaries for people to get this, it's a great money spinner for mm. local theatres. They are under pressure, local theatre. So it is such a brilliant thing to go and do. My mum never uh, took us to a panto when we were kids. No, we and didn't uh, go to them either, and I always wanted to. I went oh, to one. I was obsessed I really, with yeah. going. Yeah. Uh, but now, of course, you watch them and go, oh, I see why you didn't want to take yeah. two. I, get, I absolutely get that. <laughs> but, oh, my God, I was absolutely fuming for many, many years. I never went to a panto. And now my kids are too old. Yeah. Grandkids. Yeah, you'll be forcing them along. Yeah. I need Chico and Arthur Bostrom to stick around long enough for my grandkids to... 40 uh... YouTubers. I'll just be... <laughs> just the, tic... <laughs> just the TikTok stars. 40 YouTubers and the Beanstalk. Yeah. <laughs> okay, can we please return to 2024 recommendations? I've got a book which oh. I am absolutely dying for. It's called Caledonian Road. It's by Andrew O'Hagan. Andrew Hagen is already a brilliant novelist and he, he was, he's most recently adapted for the BBC Mayflies. But this is a real kind of big British social novel. One man's epic fall from grace in contemporary London and all the different currents of, our, of the city and of modern life. Look at the joy on your face. Uh, it, this, this is, it's already been um, optioned and it's going to be made into a TV series. It, it's going to be huge. And I really, I think it's, this is an, it's going to be an extraordinary book. He's absolutely brilliant. One of the things you get as a novelist is people send you novels early, just if, if yeah. you'll blurb on them. And, and, you know, sometimes I do. But I read one at the end of last year, which I just thought was magnificent. It's a debut by a guy called Johnny Sweet, who was a, an actor and comic and writer. And it's sort of like Donna Tartt meets P.G. Woodhouse. Oh, my God. Yes, it's please. It's just an amazing kind of murder mystery. with, And his writing is just exquisite as it's his first book i think it's going to be absolutely massive it's called the kellaby code i think it's out in the spring but it's the kellaby code and if you pre-order things this is what people always go why do you mean pre-order i'm gonna when it comes out it's really great for debut authors because the more you pre-order the more bookshops and it, it, amazon and it counts you know, in the first in. week of sale for them and if they get on yeah. any form of chart it makes such a difference to the success of the book so it's always worth pre-ordering any way you like 
Um, although, you know, we should always say preferably from an independent bookshop. Exactly that. We said before, bookshop.org. Yeah. You can get from any local uh, bookshop. But yeah, the Kellerby Code. The Kellerby re- Code, It's okay. so funny, but also I dark. Can't wait. But also it's really, really, really terrific. I think it's going to be huge. Do you have a book coming out this year? Uh, yes, I do. When I say that, it's <laughs> <laughs> so... I've, I've I've done the the first four Thursday Murder Club books, and so next year I'm I'm doing a new series. So I'm writing it at the moment, and it's is it is it ask me if it's going well? Is it going well? Not Richard? great, not great, no. uh, but it never is at this at this stage. So yeah, so it's it's a brand new series with a brand new detective duo, which is quite a fun thing for, for me oh. to do. I'm going to bring back the Thursday Murder Club. They're they're coming back, yeah. But it's quite nice having done four to to strike out and do something different. But at this stage, where it's about 25 30,000 words it's so so painful it's so difficult books are so long it's like it's so crazy is it the first thing you think of in the morning and the last thing at night some I mean, people say that sometimes it, right now it is for yeah. the last month or so i've been kind of going oh, it's fine in a dog fight with oh, it yeah exactly but but now i'm starting to i'm starting to panic which is the only way i can really write properly but you know that thing with homework where you do it the night before it's mm. due in which of course i've always done my whole life and with a book the night before is sort of five months away. Yeah. So I'm just getting to the stage now where it's December. I've got to give it in in May. I've got to give it in. Yeah. Uh, got to hand yeah, it in. there we go. Uh, so I'm at the stage now where I'm thinking, if I don't start doing 1,500 words a day every day from now, then I'm in real trouble. Gosh. Listen, I'm trusting the process. And it's fun. And there's fun characters. It's just I've no idea what they're going to do at the moment. But uh, there's murders. I have a rough idea who did the murder. And, yeah, it's coming out. It, it'll be September, unless I don't deliver it. Uh, me and the listeners will be helping you through. Now, music. I am really big into this uh, Colombian American pop princess, really, Carly Uchis. Sorry, Carly Uchis, and she's a little stealth diva in waiting. And well, she's she's not really even in waiting anymore. She's she's got a new album out, which I think is either the very end of January or the start of February. And she's a joy. Get into her. Get into her hilarious videos. I am. A, a fan. If I was choosing to spell that name, Carly, how, it's K A L I, Carly Uchis, which is U C H I S, I believe. Okay, gotcha. Her, her fans call her themselves the Coochies. Oh, that's nice. Of course. <laughs> My favorite album last year, I think, was the Mitski album. If people don't know, yes. I love that. But the thing I'm looking forward to, and again, the afraid is 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 family business. Is Swade and the Manic Street Preachers oh. are touring together, June, July, I think possibly is sold out everywhere they may add dates but suede and the manics they tour together in america because neither of them had really quite ever made it in america they're both massive everywhere in the world and so you know they can go and tour wherever they want yeah. they go and tour the far east and europe and all that but america they both almost sort of made it and so they teamed up and then you know they had this great tour that everyone loved but they got on so well they loved each other's company so much that now they're doing this big uh, tour of the uk and sort of taking it in turns to headline so the manics have Decided they're going to headline one of the Welsh gigs. Fair enough. Swede are doing Sussex. Yeah, uh, of But it, it's, um, yeah, I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. But it's lovely because it comes from them just really getting on with each other, which is such a nice thing when they've been in the business for that long. Just a group of people who just, you know, really get each other. So does your brother, like, have a tour and a book and everything this year? You, oh, yeah. You my bro- my my brother's super productive. Yeah, he is. He, I mean, he's really productive, my brother. But my brother... Oh, yeah, I, not like you. But I mean, if I... Some, so my, my brother writes books as well. But So books have to be about 90,000 words. Yeah. 
My last book was 90,004 words long, okay? Because that's how, <laughs> that's how I operate. My brother's writing his new book. His last book, Ghost Theatre, is out now. And he's, he's, he's up to about 175,000 words. God. And you think, man, why do, why do you do this to yourself? But he's got a work ethic. He loves it. He's such a wonderful writer. Yeah. But yeah, then he's off on tour around the world and doing festivals everywhere and what have wow. you. But he's, uh, he seems happy. <laughs> You know, he's he's my older brother, so I, I, he's on a pedestal for yes, me. Yes, absolutely, do and for all of us. Crikey. Just before we finish, Richard, you have threatened to tell us about things that won't be returning in 2024, cancelled shows. Yes, why certain shows are cancelled and certain shows aren't cancelled. Um, so Question of Sport was cancelled at the end of last year, as was Doctors. And the truth of it is... A TV programme used to just have to get ratings on a particular day. So Question of Sport would get 10 million and that's absolutely fine. And Doctors would you know, do the business that it did. But everything now has to pay its way in three different ways. It has to pay its way in ratings. Then it has to pay its way in repeatability. And then it has to pay its way in international sales. So Question of Sport you cannot repeat because it's sort of topical. Yeah. It's the truth. And you can't set it abroad because it's there's, there's not enough there to sort of catch hold of. So the second that Question of Sport you know, starts dipping down to 2 million viewers or something, it has to go. Whereas, you know, if you're a show like Would I Lie To You that we've talked about before, Would I Lie To You, you can sell everywhere in the world. You can watch a 10-year-old episode of Would I Lie To You. Um, you know, you can sell the format. So happens also to do rather good ratings, Would I Lie To You. But even if it wasn't, even if it was doing lower ratings, it would come back. So Doctors and Father Brown, which are daytime shows. Yeah. So Doctors, again... It's not really going to sell anywhere else because it's very, it's very It's a shame British. though because so many British actors got their amazing start on that and it is such a proving ground. Exactly it's, It right. may seem to lots of people like, yep. what is this ridiculous show I've never heard of that I would yep. never watch? Well, it's where a lot of people cut their teeth and learn how to basically be a TV actor. Yeah, directors as well, producers, yep. all of that. It's It was a wonder, but you know, it's one of those things, you know, the BBC has an awful lot less money than it used to have. Uh, so some stuff has to go. Everything has to sing for its supper now. So Father Brown, which is in daytime, sells everywhere in the world and because it's in the 50s you can you can again you can watch an episode from 10 years ago in a way you can't watch an episode of doctors from 10 years ago so it's repeatable everywhere so that's the thing you know shows have to earn their way in three different ways now ratings which used to be the only thing international sales and also that thing of being repeatable you know if you look at all of the cable channels you know they're showing stuff back to you know they even show old pointlesses and stuff like that on cable channels but if you can't do that you know it's why mock the week was cancelled because it's expensive because you're doing one a week mm. and the most expensive thing in a tv show is the studio yeah and if you're only doing one show in the studio that's a you're paying for a whole day and you're only getting one show out of it uh and it's very very difficult to repeat it anywhere because there's nothing worse than watching a six-year-old mock the week and it's pre-brexit and you know and you know everyone's furious at nick clegg uh, and it, you know it's 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 too bizarre so yeah that's why question of sport and doctors are going and other shows are continuing but Expect to see an awful lot more of that in 2024. The BBC has pretty much run out of money. All those mid-level programmes are sort of done. The shows they do have have been going for years and years and years. So Bargain Hunt has been going for 23 years. Homes Under the Hammer, 20 years. Escape to the Country, 20 years. Come Dine With Me, which you just mentioned, is you know 18 years. It's those are the shows that are going to keep going because they're, they're they're building this. You know, they're building a library. Yeah. there and new shows it's too expensive to launch new things with the money they've got so we're going to have the same old shows for quite a long time and those more topical shows will be dropping by the wayside and actually even on um 
sort of big US shows and streaming shows, I think they thought that before we went into the writers and the actors strike, there were, it's this is peak TV, there were 600 scripted shows. And I think it will come, and most people I speak to in the industry think it will come now down to 300. So that is half as many. So your era of like not being able to watch all the TV but in a million miles is, is going away and I think you know that we're going to see such a big correction on that and the interesting thing that all the networks and the streamers are all asking for is what they call hard comedy and what they mean by that is not tough comedy they mean by absolute just straight down the line comedy Friends The Office just these big shows that you know Two and a Half Men that sustained them for years Big Bang Theory they need to get those shows back, these absolute massive barnstorming comedy shows, which no one's wanted to write for years. There was a good exec who said, all of my, that there was a good agent who said, all of my writers, they don't want to write Two and a Half Men, they want to write Barry. But he said, you know who watches Barry? No one. You know, yeah. so it's, it's that. They've got to get audiences back to big mainstream comedies. They call it hard comedy. So good time to pitch a hard comedy. And on that note, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Rest is Entertainment. We will be back with you next week. Richard, thank you very much. Thank you, Marina. We'll be back next week with more hard comedy. I'm off to be a Wookiee. Uh, I'll see you next week. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.